So we are in, I think, the middle now of the I am statements, of which there are seven. Jamie is nodding. So this is the fourth today, which is I am the good shepherd. But before we hear about the good shepherd, let's hear a little bit about the bad shepherds. Ezekiel chapter 34. You don't need to turn there. Let me read it out to you. This is the prophet Ezekiel speaking hundreds of years before Jesus saying that he is the good shepherd. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered, and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore, you shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice." I could go on. You can read it in your own time at home if you want to. The rest of Ezekiel 34. Well, that's the bad shepherds. Now, let's turn to John chapter 10. Now, you've got two options now. You can either watch John chapter 10 on this little video clip, or you can follow it in your Bibles and listen to the video. So it's up to you, provided the audio works, but it should do. So John chapter 10. I am telling you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, 
but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber. The man who goes in through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice as he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow someone else. Instead, they will run away from such a person because they do not know his voice. Jesus told them this parable, but they did not understand what he meant. So Jesus said again, I am telling you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Those who come in by me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life. Life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd who is willing to die for the sheep. When the hired man, who is not a shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. So the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The hired man runs away because he is only a hired man and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. As the father knows me and I know the father, in the same way I know my sheep and they know me. And I am willing to die for them. There are other sheep which belong to me that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them too. They will listen to my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I am willing to give up my life in order that I may receive it back again. No one takes my life away from me. I give it up of my own free will. I have the right to give it up. And I have the right to take it back. This is what my father has commanded me to do. Again there was division among the people because of these words. He has a demon! He's crazy! Why do you listen to him? A man with a demon could not talk like this. How could a demon give sight to blind people? I thought that was a different way of giving the reading. You can, uh, you can watch those at home. They're all uh, copyright free, so I understand. So that's why I could use it today. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. There have been bad shepherds. That was Israel's context. Quite a lot of bad shepherds. And indeed, absent shepherds as well. If you think of something else that Jesus says, says he said I, he had compassion on people because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's the context that Jesus is coming into. And in this passage, and I had the whole of it um, portrayed up there, some of which, of course, Mike Leader preached on last week, but it's, it's a parable that kind of goes in and out. It starts with sheep and shepherd, and then it's got gate, which is what Mike spoke on, and then it goes back to sheep and shepherd again. But early on, in the bit that Mike, Mike preached from last week, Jesus is comparing himself as, as, as a good shepherd with those who are robbers and thieves, those who climb over the wall to steal the sheep. 
And then later on in the passage, he compares himself with, with the hired hand. The hired hand compared to the shepherd. The hired hand is just paid to do a job. But when the, when the wolf comes along or the bears come along or the lions come along, well, he's, he's off because it's not worth hanging around and risking his life. And I could have, I suppose, today in this, in this time together, done a bit of comparison between bad shepherds and, and good shepherds. A good shepherd is someone who, who protects the sheep, who cares for the sheep, who heals the sheep. A good shepherd would have been at the gate when the, shepherd, the sheep were coming back into the pen and, and if they were bruised or cut, he would have, with anointing oil, started the healing process with them. A good shepherd is someone who, who feeds the sheep and gives them water as well. But I think if we did a comparison between bad shepherds and good shepherds, we're actually missing the point that Jesus is trying to bring over here. Because Jesus is not a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. The one and only good shepherd there has ever been. And so what I want to do is, here with Jesus' words, pull out three unique things about the good shepherd for us to grasp that I think are contained in that statement when Jesus spoke it for the very first time and that he'll speak it into our lives as well today. Let me just pray very briefly. Heavenly Father, would you open us up by your Holy Spirit that we can encounter again not just these words, but that we would know again in a deeper way Jesus as our good shepherd. And maybe if we're hearing that for the first time today, Lord, that there will be a connection in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, three unique things. First of all, there's a unique relationship here. Now, as Mike rightly pointed out last week, it's good to agree with the person who preached the week before, as Mike rightly pointed out last week, the, the sheep pen, and you remember we had a picture up, if you were here last week, we had a picture up which I found quite, quite helpful. There was a picture up of a sheep pen. There would have been several different flocks that would have been looked, put in the sheep pen. And then when the shepherd comes along, he would then call out his sheep. He'd Know them by name. I don't know if you remember, Eddie preached uh, a little bit on this several years ago, and Eddie's got a background in shepherding, which I don't have, having lived in southeast London all my life. But Eddie, up there in shepherding land, knew a little bit about it, and I remember him saying that actually they, they did know different sheep. They reckon, I mean, I look, they all look the same to me, and they must do, they're all just sheep. But no, he says, you, you know the different sheep. And we had names for them. So the shepherd has names for the sheep. And then he calls them by name and he calls out his sheep. And they weren't all branded in those days like they might be today, but they recognised his voice. And so when he called them by name, all the sheep that were of that shepherd would just leave the pen and behind would be all these other sheep. It would be quite amazing to see that, wouldn't it, I think? They'd all look the same to us and then all of a sudden, oh wow, it works. So, Jesus says here in verses 3 and 5 that they 
the sheep know his voice. And of course, you know someone's voice if they spend time with you and you spend time with them. And you hear that voice a lot. That's how you get to know someone's voice, isn't it? Time to embarrass my children a little bit, two of whom are here. I remember when uh, Helen was pregnant with, with each of the boys, we were reading one of those books, um, uh, a Christian book that told you about where the baby was in terms of what was developing inside of Helen's womb at that point. I'd encourage you, if you're pregnant or know someone who's pregnant, to get one of those books, because we found it really good just to pray for those different developmental stages. And I remember, <clears throat> and I don't know where it is in the nine months, when it said that the baby's now developing hearing. Now, the baby hears mum's voice all the time, obviously, because mum is carrying the baby around, but only hears dad's voice now and again because dad's not there all the time. So I decided what I would do is I would sing some songs to baby in the womb on a regular basis. And I did it with each of the boys, but this particularly works, this story, with Samuel, who isn't here to be embarrassed by it tonight, our middle son. And I'd sing, these are the three songs. You won't be surprised, there was a Cholton song that I used to sing to the baby in the womb. Uh, There was a nonsense song, because that's the kind of person I am. But there was also a Christian song. I used to sing that old Christian chorus, Jesus, love is very wonderful. Jesus, love is very wonderful. Join in if you want. Jesus, love is very wonderful. Oh, wonderful love. So high, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. So wide, you can't get round it. Oh, wonderful love. (laughs) Now, I don't remember doing the actions, because unless the baby was developing x-ray vision at that point, that wouldn't have worked. But I used to sing these songs actually to the baby in the womb. Samuel was born... Six months probably after he's born, we were at my mum and dad's and uh, we were downstairs and he was up in the cot screaming his head off and Helen was absolutely exhausted. I said, don't worry, I'll go. So I went upstairs and I picked up this little baby who was screaming and screaming and screaming. I thought, what am I going to do? I know, I'll sing a song. So I picked up this screaming child and started to sing, Jesus' love is very wonderful. And literally within seconds he started to settle. He went from screaming to that kind of, you know, the thing that babies do when they've been crying for a long while. And then within five minutes, he was asleep and settled and I put him back in the car. And I remember going downstairs, getting a lot of brownie points. (laughs) What did you do? Helen said. I said, I just sang, Jesus' love is very wonderful. And like that, he settled Because I guess inside of this little baby was this memory of this voice, this song that used to be sung when he was in that comfy, warm womb place as he was developing. Now, it would embarrass him if he was here, but since he's six months old, I have sung that song to him several times. But strangely, it still has an effect on him. I think that embarrasses him, but it still has that kind of calming, soothing effect. My sheep will know my voice because I spend time with them and they spend time with me. But I thought you said this is unique, Matt. 
Because you've just used a story there that shows that it's not just unique. Well, this is where verses 14 and 15 come in. And this is where we go to another level. This is the uniqueness here. Try and get your heads around this. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. It's the second time he said, I am the good shepherd. When Jesus repeats himself, it means this next bit is really important. So buckle up. This is good stuff. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I'll get on to the laying down my life in a minute, but let's just listen to this relationship. Let me say this again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as, in the same way as, to the same degree as, that's what the word means, The Father knows me, and I know the Father. Really? Is Jesus saying here that the sheep can know him in the same way that Jesus knows his heavenly Father, and his heavenly Father knows him? Seems to be what he's saying. I prepared most of this on Tuesday, and this has rattled round my head all week. So much so that this afternoon, I dug out all my old Greek textbooks from 30 years ago when I studied at Spurgeon's, just to check. But yes, it is saying that. And this knowing is not a head knowledge thing. It's a personal, intimate, relational, experiential, experiential knowing Think about how the Father and the Son know one another. We're talking about the Trinity, we've sung already. How how intimate, how close that is. Right before creation, in creation, throughout the history of the world and now, there's an incredible intimacy of loving and being together and honouring and caring for one another. Right at the heart of the Godhead. And Jesus is saying, I am the Good Shepherd And you can know me. You can have that depth of relationship in the same way. Wow. That is awesome, isn't it? That is miraculous. That is incredible. I cannot get my head around that. And so what I did this afternoon is I just prayed. Would you give me a greater revelation of that, Jesus? If that is true, I want to know that at a deeper level. Because that is just gold dust. If you take nothing else away from this evening, take that away. Meditate on that. Pray that every day. Can I know you, Jesus, in the same way that you know the Father and the Father knows you? That's the uniqueness of the Good Shepherd. Point number one. Secondly, of course, Jesus does speak here of his death. In fact, four times. I am the good shepherd, in verse 11, the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. In fact, this is what defines him as the good shepherd, is the fact that he lays down his life for the sheep. He repeats it. That's four times he mentions it. repeats it in, in verse 15, in verse 17, and in verse 18. Now, here, this is, this is unique here again, because let's think about a good shepherd. 
David was a good shepherd. And in fact, if you read on in the rest of Ezekiel 34, he gets referenced there. What does David do? Well, when we read about David as a good shepherd, uh, at one point, um, he fights off the lion and the bear. In fact, the story goes that he, he, he took the, the sheep out of the lion's mouth, I think, to save. The, so he was, he was so keen to look after the sheep that that's what he did. He kind of put his life on the line. But if David had died, he'd have been a rubbish shepherd. Here's the sheep. They're all, they're all safe behind me in the pen. A wolf's coming. Right, eat me then. So he eats me, and then what does he do to wolf? He goes in and he eats the sheep. Yeah? A dead shepherd is actually not a very good shepherd. Agree? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then I take it up again. Jesus speaking of his death and his resurrection. This is what makes him unique as the good shepherd. That he dies for his sheep. That he dies for his sheep and then he's raised from the dead. I remember as a 16-year-old, 16-year-old the first time I ever preached was a, a Beeps mission sort of thing down in Sidmouth. And I hadn't preached before, and we were out on the front doing our stuff, and then I remember the guy leading it said, uh, would, you, would you preach this evening? And I had a little bit of warning, so I'd been thinking about it during the afternoon. So, and I know some of you have heard me tell this story before. So I went for it as a, six, as a passionate 16-year-old. I just went for it. And I went, I thought, well, I'm going to really go on about the cross. I'm going to really hammer it. And so I really got passionate and talked about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and what that meant and all the, the wickedness and all the wrong in the world and our wrong and this, that and the other. And I, I really went on about the, the pain of the cross and, 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 uh, and the thorns and the, everything. I really just gave it some. It was very good. Brilliant on the cross. really was. And then I stepped down after I'd finished. I thought, yeah, I've done a good one there. And I turned to, uh, it was Stan Gain, actually, who was, uh, who was leading the way. I turned to Stan and I said, how was that? And he went, graciously, he went, um, it was good, but you left Jesus dead. <laughs> I went, did I? He said, yeah, you forgot the resurrection. Oh, could you jump up? Oh, 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 by the way, there's a good ending to this. Jesus died as the good shepherd, is explaining he's going to do that for the sheep. And, it's an important and, and having been crucified for all that we've got wrong and all the muck and all the sins of the world, and is then raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And is alive today. Hallelujah triumphing over death so that we can have hope, so that we can have a future, so that we can come together and we can pray to someone who is alive and seated in heaven and present here by his Holy Spirit. That's the good shepherd, the unique good shepherd. Praise the Lord. And he voluntarily does it. That's what he says here. I like the way that he's worded this. No one takes it from me But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. Jesus willingly, voluntarily lays down his life for us, his sheep. 
And that's important as well. Let's not get deceived that it was, and I know it takes it in a different direction, it talks about the authorities, but the authorities were used as part of God's plan. It was God's plan from the beginning of time that Jesus would die for us and be raised from the dead. Not plan B, plan A. It wasn't an accident that he died. There's a song that we sing sometimes, and I have slight issues with it. Here you are, this is me now getting on a little hobby horse, which talks about Jesus' blood being spilled. And I kind of understand where it's going, but something, when something is spilled, for me that's an accident. If I spill a glass of red wine at home, and I go into Helen and said, oh, I'm really sorry, I've just spilled red wine on the carpet... She doesn't say to me, you voluntarily and willingly have gone and spilled red wine on the carpet. How dare you? You know that's my favourite carpet. What she says is, oh dear, you've had an accident. I said, yeah, I tripped over. It's a mistake. Jesus didn't mistakenly spill his life. He gave his life for us, his sheep. Wow. We could just stop here and worship, couldn't we? And worship the good shepherd for who he is and what he has done for us. But there's more. Unique relationship we're called into. A unique death and resurrection. And then thirdly, in the first bit, verses three to five, when I was given that illustration of, of Samuel and what have you, hearing the voice, I'm hearing my voice. So Jesus is saying, my sheep will hear my voice. But then he, he takes it in another direction. Verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Uniquely, the good shepherd is interested in others as well. I don't know if you noticed in the video, it was that point that they started to get a little bit disturbed with some of the things that Jesus was saying. While they came out with some of the statements at the end, I know some of it was to do with hearing about the shepherd dying, but it was also this, this othering. What you, what you mean? I mean, we can cope with the fact that we are the people of Israel and the shepherds come for us, but others outside this pen... Of course, in the context of the time, and we know this, you know, and it doesn't say it specifically, but in the parable, Jesus is speaking to Jews, but saying, I'm also going to bring Gentiles. I'm going to bring those who are non-Jews and been brought up in the same faith. They're also going to be here as well. They're going to hear my voice. And that was quite radical for them, and that was challenging, and that was disturbing from them, for them. And I know there are hints of that, of course, back in the Old Testament with Israel being a light to the Gentiles, but no one had quite said it like this before. and No one had claimed to be the good shepherd who was going to be over all of this and that everybody would come to him. It was disturbing. It's a theological point that disturbs this bringing in of others. But Paul then, in his letters, pushes it on a little bit more. When we did that series in Ephesians recently, we picked up on this. What does Paul say in Galatians 3, 28 though? There'll be neither 
Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, but all will be one in Christ. And we could push it on from there. There's no black or white, rich or poor, working class or upper class, king or peasant, but all are one in Christ Jesus. All are brothers and sisters. All are sheep together with the good shepherd. That's how unique he is. And to come to a conclusion, let me push this for a final little challenge. That talk of others coming in was disturbing with the Jew and the Gentile context. Let me disturb us just a little bit more. I'm on this at the moment. I'm on this, we need to be talking more about Jesus. I don't know if you've heard me say it. I said it a few weeks ago in the morning. Let's be talking one to another about Jesus. What's Jesus doing in your life? Let's get over any kind of embarrassment. Let's ask one another, what's Jesus doing in your life at the moment? I want to hear it. I want to know how your relationship is going. I want to tell you about my relationship with Jesus. Let's, let's talk about Jesus. Let's also talk about Jesus to those others outside the pen. I know there are examples today where people hear Jesus' voice in dreams and in visions. I know, I know that is going on in the world. But in 99.9% of the cases, people hear the voice of Jesus through one of us chatting to them about Jesus. Would you agree with that? Only last week, and this is just to tell you that, so you don't think I'm a hypocrite, I'm trying to do this when I get the opportunity. Last Saturday, so not yesterday, last Saturday, um, and there's a relevance to saying this, Cholton had won. And uh, so I was in a good mood. And Helen was going out that night, and Joshua was out that night as well, and I, th- I wanted to watch the rugby. I thought, I'll go and get a couple of decent beers, and I'll sit and I'll watch the rugby. And so I went to River Ale House, some of us have been there before, down on the lower road, see if they had any takeout, and it was decent beer. And I went in there, and I queued up, and I was trying a couple of beers to take home in little carryouts. And there was a guy at the front, and I heard he was talking about the football. So I just said to him, um, oh, it was a good game, wasn't it? And he turned around, and he engaged in conversation with me. Now, I then had a 40-minute conversation with this chap. The first bit was about football. And then he asked what my connection was with the club. And, of course, then I said that I was the chaplain of the club. And then we got into conversation about chaplaincy and what it meant. And he told me some of the kind of his kind of spiritual walk that, that was going on. He was from, well, he was living in Australia now, and he'd just come back for the first time in years and decided to go to a Charlton game. I know. Can you imagine that? And he was with a, an Australian lady who was from Australia, so there's the two of them there. And then into the conversation, he suddenly went to me, he said, yeah, but tell me what your purpose is. So I said to him, Well, I think my purpose is the same as any Christian's purpose. I said, my purpose really is to to talk about Jesus and to talk to people about Jesus. I said, and I believe that Jesus walked on this earth and was a real man, but he was also the son of God. And I believe that Jesus died on a cross for all the sins, all the wrongs that we've done in our lives. And I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead 
And I believe that Jesus has triumphed over death and that Jesus is now in heaven and he's present by his home. I'm citing the creed almost. <laughs> he's getting a little preach from me. But he asked the question, what's your purpose? Well, my purpose is to talk about Jesus. And I said, I don't want to get into judging people and all that. All I want to do is introduce people to Jesus and let Jesus get on with everything else. Now, I know there's discipling, and I know we have to work through all that in the church, but if you've got 10 minutes with a bloke in a pub, what are you going to tell them? Just talk about Jesus. Just talk about how wonderful Jesus is. Just talk about how Jesus has changed your life, and then leave it with them. And I like to think that this guy's flown back to Australia thinking, I had a really weird conversation with some bloke in a pub who was a Cholton fan, but he kept going on about Jesus. Jesus, as the good shepherd, brings us into a unique relationship. Take hold of that tonight and this week. Jesus has, as the good shepherd died for us and been raised from the dead for us. Take hold of that this week. Jesus as the good shepherd has loads of other people outside of the sheep pen who want to hear his voice and need to hear his voice. Well, let's go and chat to them about Jesus. Amen.